Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our first after show for Rebels, Star Wars Rebels. We're here to uh, look back and rewatch Star Wars Rebels. We have each seen it before multiple times, uh, but we're going to do it in podcast form. So this is a big moment in the podcast because, of course, you know, this podcast kind of got kicked off with uh, myself and Diego doing Clone Wars talk, doing 40 episodes of the podcast just dedicated to Clone Wars, rewatching in chronological order. Uh, and here we are. It's myself and Blake sitting down to watch Star Wars Rebels as well as talk about surrounding content, uh, of course, in the chron- chronology, uh, <laughs> uh, the chronology. In the chronological viewing order of Star Wars Rebels. There we go. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the first episode of Star Wars Rebels. Rebels Talk, episode one. Another happy landing. All right, welcome back to the Escape Pod. Blake. Hello there. Here we are again on another exciting uh, escape to the Star Wars galaxy. That's right, escape into a galaxy far, far away. And uh, here we are with our first after show for Star Wars Rebels. How does it feel looking back at this show uh, that's been, surprisingly, a number of years since, I, it, since it came out? I, was, I can't believe how long that's been. Yeah. Just, man. When Disney was first starting out, yeah, like from the takeover, this was the first production they put out, and this was long awaited. And I know there was a lot of skepticism. You and I had a lot of back and forth uh, watching the trailer because I know you were a huge Clone Wars fan at the time, uh, and slowly pulled me into the ranks as well. And you were very skeptical because the it was the canceling of Clone Wars that brought this show about. Yeah, it was um, it was the Disney acquisition, and uh, Clone Wars was uh, not the most feasible uh, animated show to produce. You know, it was uh, an expensive endeavor, um, and uh, as great as it was, it was also contractually uh, airing, I think, on Cartoon Network at the time. Yep, and uh, that was um, probably a big deal for Disney. Because uh, not only did they cancel that, I mean, in regards to third-party agreements and stuff, they like to keep things within the mouse house. Um, and, uh, you know, it saves money you know, to ch- air their own stuff on Disney XD, right? Which Was is where... contracts there that they had, Clone Wars had to be on Cartoon I don't, Network? I don't really know. I, I don't really know. And it like feels that, like a Disney move. Yeah. I don't know if that was the case. I feel like it may have been, may have been part of it, but, uh, but uh, who knows? Again, who knows, right? Like, it could have just been... 
this is an expensive animated show that we're not sure we want to move forward with um, going into the sequel trilogy as a piece of Star Wars that exists right now for fans. Let's just cancel it, right? So uh, that was an odd decision to make, seeing as so many people loved the show. But it wasn't until... Mm. Half decision to do out of the gate. Yeah, and it wasn't until the show really hit Netflix uh, after its cancellation that it really took off. Like, people started to um, finally discover Clone Wars for themselves because maybe they didn't have Cartoon Network at the time. Sure. Yeah, they weren't finding, you know, questionable sources as to how to watch it. <laughs> Streaming services um, did that for a lot of things. Netflix yeah. also had a resurgence in, like, Firefly, for example. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, unfortunately, Firefly hasn't been resurrected but uh but yeah there's there's been a number of shows that have had second lives on second lives on on some of these streaming services and um you know let's not forget clone wars kind of got resurrected because of disney plus and disney plus sort of launched with that being a thing right yeah i was mandalorian was the flagship show for disney plus to launch with but clone wars was not far behind it was like the next thing Mm -hmm. in the summer after it launched that it was going to be you know aired on on disney plus so uh, looking back, I mean, Rebels, this, is, this was a big deal because this is the last animated show that Dave Filoni did personally mm-hmm. um, before he being elevated in yeah, his... Yeah, to the Mandoverse and yeah. expanding from there. Yeah, before the, yeah, exactly. So this was kind of his last thing uh, dedicated to. Uh, animated wise um and uh and you can see the connection as we're now absolutely season three of mando yeah and going into the ahsoka series and yep. as we saw in the trailer there's rebels characters coming back so this is looking to be uh an extension ex- exactly yeah. an extension and so dave is continuing on the story he was telling here yeah exactly yeah um and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's crazy because this is also the last Star Wars show that premiered on a public television channel, like where Disney XD. Yeah, Disney Disney XD was home to Star Wars Rebels. Uh, what was the Resistance? Was that ever aired on XD? I think I think I think you're maybe you are right. Uh, although this was uh, coming out symmetrically with uh, wait, you know that's a good that, that's actually. You, you might be right. I think I think Resistance may have been the last. I'm, I'm the the only Star Wars Resistance fanboy out there. I know, I know my stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you. I think you might be right. I'm trying to remember because that that came out around the time the Last Jedi was coming out, but I can't remember. I think Disney Plus wasn't actually. I think it, it was announced, I but I don't think it was. Before, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I re- Resistance was up like almost almost immediately. Um, you know when those episodes came out. Uh, if it overlapped with Disney Plus, I think it was both Disney XD and right. uh, Disney Plus at the same time. Kind of like how they're doing Young Jedi Adventures mm-hmm. currently, which we eventually will talk about on the podcast at some point. Um, but it's uh, it's an animated show for very young kids, very young Star Wars fans. And uh, that show is, is available on Disney Junior as well as Disney Plus. Was that started, that series? That's, that's already out. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of dropped on Disney Plus one day. Uh, late April, and you know that was it. <laughs> um, but yeah, here we are. You know, here we are. Many years later, um, Star Wars Rebels, uh, I believe, started premiering in 2014. If you can believe it or not, 2014. Yeah, that was ten years ago. Uh, it is a long time ago. <laughs> oh my gosh! It is a long I time ago. Still I think. Remember watching 
the uh, the flagship episode. October third, twenty fourteen, on Disney Channel. Uh, the show kicked off with a one-hour television movie called Star Wars Spark of Rebels Spark of Rebellion. Uh, the full series began on Disney XD with the premiere of the episode Droids in Distress on October 13th. Um, and then it ended with Fire Across the Galaxy on March 2nd, 2015. The season is uh, executively produced by Dave Filoni, Simon Kinberg, and Greg Wiseman. So... Um, the first season is set five years before A New Hope. That's uh, uh, that's about four years after Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. Um, and uh, we'll just talk about the time period very briefly here. Uh, according to the new canon timeline, which, again, if anyone wants to take a look at it, it was revealed at Star Wars Celebration this past year in 2023. And uh, the era that we're talking about today is Reign of the Empire. So it's towards the end of the Reign of the Empire Um era uh which includes the bad batch and or obi-wan kenobi uh as well as star wars rebels and uh of course the new jedi survivor and jedi fallen order video games um so we're in the uh what uh in universe people would refer to as the dark times and uh that's uh a looming scenario over the show you know as it's the small fledgling rebellion before it becomes the alliance uh, we get rebel cells across the galaxy, basically working individually, but they still kind of are an extension of the higher up. And uh, Andor's really shown us a lot as far as like how the rebellion works in those early years. Um, Saw Gerrera being a being a big player, um, Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, uh, and uh, the show Star Wars Rebels focuses in around a group of characters uh, all aboard the um, ship, which is called the ghost. Uh, and the ghost has a little portable ship that kind of deploys from it called the phantom. Uh, and it's a very interesting way of doing a show because Clone Wars is focused in on so many storylines and so many characters. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think the thing that I wasn't a fan of when I first watched star Wars rebels was um, that it was the same characters all the time. Yeah. But you know why they did that? Because they wanted it to feel like the original trilogy. That's another thing is like, yeah, the original trilogy had a huge inspira inspiration in like how they approached this show, uh, both visually and story wise. Uh, visually, it also took a lot of um, a lot of inspiration from Ralph McQuarrie's concepts. Yeah, lots. Oh, my gosh. So many things. Even Zeb. Zeb That's was right. uh, originally, originally a Wookiee design. Yeah. yeah, pretty nuts, right? <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, there's there's been a few other things here and there. Some of the droid designs. I mean, Chopper is a original R2-D2. Uh, concept and there's some protocol droids that show up which are original c-3po uh designs as well and it kind of right. it keeps going it was like yeah, low thal of course was uh a, a ralph mccoy concept too that i didn't know yeah i know they've eventually pulled this the spiders yep yep the, the, the big spiders yeah the ice spiders that are no longer nice yeah that's right yeah um, yes, there's, there's so many things and there, there's definitely reasons to appreciate the show but i will be upfront before we start this after show series you know, it, I never really fully appreciated Rebels at all until it was over. And uh, I don't say that out of spite. I'm surprised that you actually changed your opinion towards the end. I appreciate it now more looking back at it than um, I did when it was coming out. And I think when it time was coming out... Time heals all wounds. Time heals most wounds. <laughs> 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 I think, like, like I, still, I still think it's a subpar show to Clone Wars, but... Um, 
the reason why I didn't like it when it was coming out is because it was the Clone Wars replacement. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you you were very you watched it very begrudgingly. Yeah, I did. You, yeah, I did. Yeah, um, but I'm over it. Everybody, <laughs> sort of. I mean, it still canceled a lot of Clone Wars was supposed to be eight seasons, so they still have to correct that. But um, it is what it is, right? Uh, I think what I did like about the show though is it does have. Uh, a good sense of heart to it. You know, it's more of like, it's more of a core group of family. It, it's, a, it's a bunch of people who who think of themselves as a family. Right. And I think that's an important thing, you know, in general for uh, for Star Wars fans. Like some, a lot of people appreciate a story like that more so than a story like um, what we got in Clone Wars, a much darker, grittier, kind of war-centric stories. Yeah, and it was a lot more whimsical as well. Yeah, it was. Very more lighthearted, uh, ironically enough, for a period of, this time, the dark times, uh, I think like it's important to kind of recognize this show is definitely made for younger viewers. So it had to be more lighthearted. I think that was part of the issue. A lot of people had yeah. that because clone wars, when it came out was also at a young audience, but it aged with that audience yeah. and then eventually became something that was a lot more of a, a, a late preteen show, which had a lot of grit. There was a lot of like, uh, well, it, there was death, but it's always there's no like no gore or anything. But this the storylines were like really serious and yeah. often really politically charged, and a lot of really a lot of like deep concepts. And then we almost like hit the reset button and went back to season one Clone Wars for the Rebels, and I think that jarred a lot of people. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and uh, you know, that being said, I mean. Not a lot of people get really gruesome deaths in this show at all. Like it's 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 always, and th- I think that's why I never really liked it as much is because it didn't feel gripping in the same way. Like it was it, anytime a big bad villain showed up, like there was never going to be anyone with a lightsaber through their chest, like sure. in, like you would in Clone Wars or whatever, right? Because like it was made for a younger audience, and uh, I think like what I had a big problem with was these are rebels. And, like, they don't really kill anybody, like, for a good long while before, before I think, the fourth season or third season or something. Like, everyone gets shot in the shoulder or, like, in the leg or, like, they're stunned. A lot of the time we'll use, like, stun rounds. Yeah, get knocked out and sort of thing. Yeah, or, like, something will happen where, like, it blocks their path and in, in pursuit, pursuit and everything like that. And, like, I don't, again, I don't want to, like, crap on the show, like, right before we start talking about it. But, like, these are just some, like upfront things up front concerns that i had going into this series so that way when people kind of listen to us talk about it as we go along don't be discouraged you know don't kind of stop watching it going like oh this isn't for me you know right after we watch these first preliminary shorts and then the first couple episodes of the show um, because it is eventually going to pay off and 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 it's a story worth watching because of like what happens later in the third and fourth season it's great content there um, season two finale was fantastic, and uh, you know it's 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 worth uh, it's worth watching even for the sake of just uh, uh, explaining what's being uh, told in in these new live action shows. Now, you know, it's the same thing with Clone Wars. The first season yeah. is really rough. It sets stuff up, but the show really doesn't get going till like mid season two and yep. then onwards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that being said, I mean this preliminary. Uh, kind of like episode we're doing for Star Wars or for for Rebels Talk. Uh, it's worth noting that there's two novels that take place before the animated series, and uh, it's also uh, it's worth noting that there's a couple uh, shorts that take place before the series as well. So um, 
the novels, uh, one of them being uh, A New Dawn, uh, was uh, written by John Jackson Miller and released in uh, 2014, September 2nd. So this was about a month before Star Wars Rebels first started premiering um, uh, for people. And it was the first canon novel written at all. Like this was after the Disney acquisition. I I was just thinking about that because I remember that being the case. But there was also that one Luke Skywalker book that came out like immediately after. That was Heir to the yeah Heir to the Jedi, and that novel was being written um, before the Disney acquisition, and they re-edited it to be released under the canon. Mm-hmm. So it was originally an EU book, but because it wasn't fully finished yet, uh, they the, doctored it. The, they doctored it to be fitting more. I bet you they the added that scene where he uses the Force to move the noodles. <laughs> yeah, That's probably what made it canon. Yeah, maybe, maybe there was something like that. Yeah, I don't really know. I remember, I don't remember anything else about the book except for that he, Luke practicing uses the Force. He tries to move some some noodles in his soup. Um, Star Wars: A New Dawn. Um, anyone <laughs> wants to read this book, definitely take a look. Uh, it's uh, it's a Del Rey novel, first of the canon. Um, preliminary thoughts. What were your thoughts when you read this book? I actually liked the book. And that's why I had a really hard time with the beginning of, of the Rebels series. I did too. And we yeah. can get into that. We can get into that for sure. The, the novel, I, f- I felt like there, this, this is post reading the novel, there wasn't that, can, how the best way to describe is, you could, you could tell after you've watched the series and read the novel that there wasn't enough communication about the characters Right between uh, both writers, writers of the show and writers of the book, or or it was a case of this being a, an adult novel and then having a show done for people that were younger than thirteen. Maybe, and what's funny is the one of the the clips we're gonna the the short videos short short shorts we're gonna watch is actually closer. You know, there's one scene that's actually closer to the book than it is to the series, which I thought was a little bit fascinating. Right. We can get into that. But but the book itself, I, I remember really enjoying it. It was a pretty simple story to just kind of introduce the characters to each other. Uh, I remember Kanan... Kanan, uh, Nahara, and Chopper were like the main mm-hmm. core group of characters. Plus two other characters that never show up again. One was named Skelly which I saw on online there and right. on one other character. And the other than Hera and Chopper, they're all like Kanan and the other two are working at a mining facility. And, and something goes awry. Uh, Kanan is fo- forced to use the Force, reveals himself to be a Jedi, then people are hunting him down. He has to go on the run. That's more, and he meets Hera and Chopper and they escape together. It's more or less the storyline. Yeah, so um, here's the uh, here's the plot summary of this. This is probably better than me thinking yeah, yeah. 10 years ago <laughs> of a book I read once. It's all good. Here's the opening crawl. For thousands, uh, for a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights brought peace and order to the, Gal- the Galactic Republic, aided by their connection to the mystical energy field known as the Force. But they were betrayed, and the whole galaxy has paid the price. It is the age of the Empire. Now Emperor Palpatine, once Chancellor of the Republic, and secretly a Sith follower of the dark side of the Force, has brought his own peace and order to the galaxy. Peace through brutal repression and order through increasing control of his subjects' lives. And even the Emperor tightens his iron grip. Uh, Others have begun to question his means and motives. And still others 
whose lives were destroyed by Palpatine's machinations. Uh, machinations. Yeah, machinations uh, lay scattered about the galaxy like unexploded bombs waiting to go off. Dot, dot, dot. Um, uh, I'll read uh, something really, really quick here, uh, which is very interesting. It's a little comment by John Jackson Miller on A New Dawn. He says, this is the first novel integrating input from the Lucasfilm story group, which manages story concepts across all media. And so in addition to working with Random House's team, I both got inspiration and feedback from the series executive producers Dave Filoni, Simon Kimberg, and Greg Wiseman, as well as Pablo Hidalgo, Jennifer Hedel, and Lee Lynchy. So there were communications made between Dave, the show, Rebels, and what was going into this book. So what you're saying about these characters not quite lining up, we're talking about the maturity level of... I, I don't even think it's that. Like, the basis of the characters, I think, are correct. I think there was yeah. communication between them. But the issue was the... I, I probably have to blame the author for this because, obviously, it's supposed to be for the show. So you can't see that Dave made the character wrong based on the book. Right. So I would say the issue is the author didn't project the characters' personalities correctly to what they were are in the show. Hmm. And I get that that's difficult to do because the show's not out yet. And they're not going to show him the like the first episode or whatever to get the characters. Maybe that would have been a good idea. Maybe that would have helped. But I... I just because of NDA reasons, I don't think they would ever do that. Right. So, unfortunately, Kanan, which is I really liked in the novel, is a very begrudging, begrudging like, uh, gritty character who's more smuggler than Jedi. At this point, he's rejected being a Jedi. He, is, he like, he, he hates his past. He's trying to be as far away from it as possible. Yeah. He's trying to just move on with his life. He's very gritty, and he's a bit of a ladies' man. And we don't get any of that in the show. Right, right. He doesn't even really use the Force. Like, no, he's trying he tries really not, not to. to. He's, yeah. Like, he feels more like a character that would fit in the underworld, someone you'd see working a job in palace. Yeah. And we, in the show, he just immediately is a Jedi again. Like, yeah. His, the way he carries himself is a, as a Jedi. He does. And, and the reveal, like, this book makes the first time he... Uh, again, uh, a small, small spoiler. Now that we're going into Rebels, I mean, I'm going to hit the spoiler <laughs> button here. Remember, the show's 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those who haven't seen it, for those who are watching with us, right? I mean, uh, I'm going to spoil something for the first episode that we're going to get into in the next uh, Rebels uh, talk part two. But uh, he's re he reveals himself as a Jedi to um, a group of Imperials and uh, whips out his lightsaber. And that is the first time that he kind of does that in that that caliber and this book really kind of it makes that moment kind of um seem very off in a way to, yeah. to me at least that that's just kind of how i felt so uh, there are there are, there is kind of an argument for saying that this book really isn't super crucial anymore for kind of going into this show like it it, it kind of introduces you to Hera and Kanan on a on a very personal level, but is it necessary for the, the uh, overarching plot of star Wars rebels? No, it's not. Um, uh, but for those who are committed to like doing the entire story, I would say like, you know, check it out. Um, it's not nearly as crucial as dark disciple is for clone wars. I think like that novel was way more connected to clone wars than this one is to rebels. 
Um, that's because that book actually adapted Clone Wars episodes that were canceled rather than this one being a book written to uh, kind of give a prelude story to the animated series. Um, the next book is Ezra's Gamble. And you didn't read this one, right? I did not. And I had entirely forgotten it existed. It's a junior novel that takes place before uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, it was released uh, in August 5th, 2014. So again, before the show aired. And uh, it features Ezra Bridger um, and, and premieres the character in this novel along with um, Bosk, the, uh, the very... <laughs> um, you know, notable bounty hunter. Um, we forgot to read the forward by Dave Filoni. In the oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah. You know what? Yeah, that's good. That's it was, a good it was idea. Worth reading this. We thought we would share this just because this is. I believe this is the only time Dave has ever done anything like this for a novel. I feel like yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, so yeah, quick forward for a new dawn. Sorry to backtrack sorry, for a moment Dave there. Filoni. Um, I'm sure you listen to this podcast and know what that is, but just in case. He was the showrunner of Rebels, the series that was about to come out. Uh, obviously, a guy behind Clone Wars and was going to go on to do many more great things. And so he did a, a, a forward for this novel, which was supposed to be the prelude to his show. Yeah. Um, all right. So forward by Dave Filoni. Uh, Star Wars. No, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do the whole thing. In uh, Dave Filoni voice. No, for, uh, forget it. Um, okay, Star Wars is an incredibly creative galaxy where storytellers have sent Jedi on countless missions, explored numerous planets, and discovered hidden treasures since 1977. I grew up with the original trilogy, and as the years passed uh, by, I read the books and comics and played the games. I saw the re-releases. I could not believe it when one day I sat in the theater and, uh, and the screen said, Episode 1. Um, it was a day I had waited for a long, long time. I went all uh, to all the prequels uh, to the opening nights. Stood in lines, you know, like we all did when the midnight midnight madness toy releases. Uh, I really enjoyed the community that I'd grown up in around the Star Wars universe. Little did I know that before the final prequel film was released, I would move to Northern California and begin work on Star Wars: The Clone Wars right alongside the maker George Lucas. I felt like I had won some Star Wars lottery. But I, always, uh, I, I also felt a tremendous responsibility to all the people I knew who loved Star Wars to make sure that I got it right. As my own personal Jedi training began, I always had George there to answer the deeper questions, to make certain that what we got it right, uh, that we truly made Star Wars the way that he wanted it. He used to joke that with uh, me and my crew and telling us that uh, he'd been teaching us the ways of the Force so that one day when he retired Star Wars, uh, with, that Star Wars could keep going on without him. I'm not sure we ever believed him until it happened. So how do we move forward? How do we make sure that we get it right? Very simply, uh, we trust in the Force. We trust one another. We came together as a group and found the best talent. People who, like you and me, love Star Wars uh, and want to make it great. Who want to capture the feeling that it gave us all, uh, that inspired us all. Um, more than uh, any other time in its existence, new Star Wars stories are being told every day. More important, the old concept of what is canon and what isn't is gone. And from this point forward, our stories and our characters all exist in the same universe. The key creatives who work on the films, television, comic books, video games, and novels are all connected creatively for the first time in the history of the Star Wars universe. A new dawn is a result of this method of story collaboration here at Lucasfilm. 
as executive producers of Star Wars Rebels, Greg Wiseman, Simon Kingbird, and I had input on the story and the characters, working with author John Jackson Miller. I even got to make comments on the on the look of Kanan and Hera for the cover. Maybe a small detail to some, but it was some exciting. Uh, but it was exciting to be part of the process, and to know the characters would remain true to their intended design. I really hope you enjoy the story, and it enriches your experience and knowledge of the characters in Star Wars Rebels. There are still countless worlds to visit, countless aliens to meet, and with the incredible talent we have coming from the work at Lucasfilm, the way forward uh, looks clear. At last, I must thank you. Uh, Whether this is your first Star Wars adventure or one of many over the years, thank you. Thank you for your dedication to and passion for the Star Wars galaxy. Because of fans like you around the world, the Force will be with us always. Dave Filoni, executive producer and supervising director of Star Wars Rebels. Um, that was a really good, appropriate uh, little thing to read, I think, before we kind of get started breaking yeah. down this show and uh, kind of getting into things. Yeah. Man, that, that's, that was incredibly heartfelt, actually. It was, yeah. I think, you know, he really meant that as a kind of a love letter to fans. Uh, you know, before he releases this kind of new child of his, I mean, really for him, it's an emotional thing because it's the first thing he did without George. That yeah, you can you can feel that coming through the way he's reminiscing. Yeah, and like his his kind of uh, pointing out where joke uh, uh, where George used to joke that it was teaching him in the ways of the force, and then yeah, lo and behold, is exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, all right, it's um, like Obi Wan and Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In amongst the dark times. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're in the new Jedi Order uh, era now. That's true. Um, okay, so uh, Ezra's gamble. 14-year-old Ezra Bridger lives alone on the outer rim of Lothal. He fends for himself by picking up odd jobs and hustling the unsuspecting stormtrooper. But when Arena Day arrives, an underground tournament where mighty beasts battle to finish all uh, and all of the swindlers, gamblers, and no-gooders came from all corners of the planet to make a profit. Ezra is whisked into an unlikely partnership with the fearsome bounty hunter Bosk, uh, an enmeshed and uh, high-stakes high chase uh, against an endless fleet of troopers. Uh, Ezra isn't willing to trust anyone, but he soon learns that surviving doesn't always mean just fending for himself. Um, this was a, a very surprisingly good book. It's written by Ryder Windham, um, introduces Ezra very well, and I would say it's probably definitely like more kind of on the nose with how he shows up in the book that he does in the show. Um, I was very surprised about that. And uh, I really liked reading a book that features Bosk. I mean, like, I just got to say that, like, like you don't ever get Bosk in a book. And this was awesome. Like he, he showed up. Not since the, the, the star Wars, uh, bounty hunters guild novels. Right. Yeah. And that's like really old star Wars book, like pre Disney, pre canon, pre story group, pre prequels. Yeah, it's yeah, old. yeah. So, I mean, like, again, like, this isn't a necessary read for anybody, but, like, we're talking this about stuff, like, kind of before the Rebels season one kicks off. Uh, this is definitely worth mentioning, and it was, uh, I found it to be a really um, quick, good story to read. One of the better junior novels I think I've read in, in recent history, for sure. Uh, last thing on the list is, Recent uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing, because like, I haven't read junior Star Wars novels since like I was a kid. Right. Sure. Um, so like since then, yeah, you know, we had a so 15 years ago. So, well, we had a break of time where like, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff in there. I think the last 
junior Star Wars novel I read, part of the EU, mm-hmm. was the very last finale book to Fate of the Jedi. And uh, Fate of the Jedi was uh, produced, or she, it was written by, by Jude Law. Sorry, not Fate what? of the Jedi. Sorry, not... Um, <laughs> the actor? Sorry, not Jude Law. Jude Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Jude Law, man of many talents. Oh my goodness. How did I mess and that up? He's acting in Hollywood in his spare time writing Star Wars Junior novels. <laughs> and now he's in Skeleton Crew, the Junior series. That's right, full yeah. circle. Yeah, full circle. World's colliding. <laughs> Jude Watson. Sorry, Jude Watson. Um, the last book in that series, um, this is EU book, that came out May 7th in 2008. So that was the last, like, junior uh novel that i had read up until 2014 now or 20 and i read this book actually after like you know um maybe 2015 it was i was late to reading this compared to watching the show Hmm. um but yeah it was good it was good uh okay so uh the only other thing that takes place before rebel season one uh that's worth noting is the rebels shorts and we just watched those um, and you hadn't seen those before. I don't think so. If I did, I either repressed them or just completely forgot about them. So um, each of them are called uh, as such. The, mas- the Machine and the Ghost, Art Attack, Entanglement, Property of Ezra Bridger. So there's four. Um, as Clone Wars Talk goes, I'm going to link all of these things in the description below in order. So that way you know kind of how to read or how to watch, you know, go through these things. Um, and, uh, you can kind of, kind of stay, stay up, uh, up to date with us. Don't forget to check the description of Rebels Talk every time before you listen to the podcast. That way you can watch those episodes and then listen to it. Uh, so you can use the description in our podcast, you know, episodes to kind of, kind of tell like what to watch next before listening to the after show, just so we don't spoil anything ahead of time. Right. It's a good way to do it. Um, so, uh, each of these shorts introduces kind of like visually in the animated format uh these characters to us Mm -hmm. right the machine of the ghost um kicks things off with uh with kane and hera and chopper aboard the ghost taking down some tie fighters um what do you like about this because there's a little thing you wanted to talk about in regards to the book on on that one oh um well it's kind of the ending of the short, so I don't want to jump right to it. But I thought uh, a big part of the novel, which didn't really show up in the show, was the love interest between uh, Hera and Kanan. Yeah, in the book, they're super flirty. They're super flirty because Kanan's a ladies' man, and she was she almost came across as like a femme fatale almost. And the series just did, ignored that to like season four. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it, it was that was very jarring, uh, but this short. Believe it or not, they're actually more cutesy. Yeah. So in the end, like it looks like they're about like Chopper comes in and it looks like they're about to smooch. And then and then they're like, just kidding. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they had to do that because the novel set it up so hard. Who knows? Yeah. That's 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 kind of like that's kind of like my whole thoughts on like how the book just doesn't feel as c- continuous when yeah. I see moments like that. Because you're right, like the show doesn't really get into that between them. No, until maybe, the very end. And yeah, until the very end. But maybe it's because, like you, like you had mentioned, maybe because there's that different audience age level. Yeah. But to just drop it off so like hard, yeah. It's weird, right? Story wise, was very jarring. Yeah. Uh, this short is uh, again, it's unclear when it takes place. They're pretty ambiguous with that. Uh, but uh, the next one, we assume that 
you know, this next one, again, chronologically, it's called Art Attack. It introduces Sabine. She has and now at this point, um, I guess, joined the crew of the ghost because we hear Hera over the, the intercom. And she's uh, sabotaging uh, some sort of Imperial Thai base on Lothal to uh, distract, make a distraction from whatever job that they're pulling at that present time. And uh, really highlights the idea that Sabine is... Um, an artist. Uh, an artist, yeah. Very much an artist. That was and a big deal at the time. I remember they were pushing that super hard because there's yeah. never really been an artist in, in Star, Star Wars. Wars. Right. Believe it or not, the closest thing probably would have been Thrawn. Yeah. A, a big uh, art connoisseur. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or, um, yeah, I was going to say Tarkin, but I can't remember if that's highlighted in any of the novels. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Thrawn for sure. Um, not much, again, not much to talk about, but really just kind of like a good way to get introduced to the characters. And you can find these shorts on Disney Plus. They're called, uh, just type in the search, Star Wars Rebels shorts, and it's just four of them. Uh, the next one's called Entanglement and uh, gives us a good look at Zeb, Zeb Aurelios, who most recently showed up in live action in yeah, The Mandalorian. That was cool. Yeah, so that was cool to see him. Um, and he gets highlighted in this. Uh, he's uh, He absolutely loves messing with stormtroopers, loves it. It's like his hobby. Um, he carries an electro staff weapon around with him, and he is uh, the species called uh, a Lasat. Uh, pink fur, kind of, you know, big lizardy kind of eyes. He's got like claw tiger feet and like kind of claws for hands. Uh, very interesting very shape. Alien, yeah. Very alien, yeah. yeah. Again, we're looking at a Ralph McQuarrie design for Chewbacca, so it was going to be... The original concept, like the, before yeah. George probably gave his first round of notes. That's my guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, this episode, though, I felt... I'm oh, sorry, episode. It was a short, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, sure. It yeah. felt like this was after seeing the series. So watching this, I feel like this was the longest scene we ever have with Zeb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in the show he he does have more screen time, I think, than you're remembering, but um but yeah, this one it is odd to see him without anyone else of the crew in the same frame, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of Zeb all at once. Yeah, um, and something that I thought was kind of funny is while he's messing with the stormtroopers, they were playing music that was uh, extremely similar, if not the same, as the Ewok music. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and this story takes place on, on Lothal as well. Uh, which oh, we didn't get... Oh, we'll talk about more in the next one. Ezra's. Never mind. I'll, yeah. I'll talk about it in a second. Uh, last one is called Property of Ezra Bridger, and this is the first time that we see Ezra in animated form who goes up to a TIE fighter who's been shot down by the ghost on Lothal and uh, basically steals, <laughs> robs him of all his stuff in his ship and steals his helmet and uh, kind of gets away, gets away with it. Classic uh, Ezra. We also see his What's electro... That? Street rat! What? Yeah, there's a big joke that like... That Ezra, it, well, we make jokes that Ezra is just the Star Wars version of Aladdin. The character feels very designed after Aladdin. He's an orphan boy and he has to steal to survive. So he's he's very uh, clever and quick fingered. Yeah. And so there's a lot of scenes that are very reminiscent to Disney's Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he has a thing. He's he's basically Star Wars Aladdin. I mean, he's he's um, he's been orphaned. He lives on Lothal. He has a, a a fascination with 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 helmets. He's got a thing for helmets. He's got a loth cat. He calls a boo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> nice one. Um, and uh, he steals to be fed. Right. He's he's kind of he's just a yeah. He lives a, in the tower. 
Yes, he lives in an old abandoned. Um, yeah, he lives in an old abandoned tower, which uh, I think it's like a communications Relay tower. Thing, yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, and you know, it's a bit comical. Like I, I enjoy this one a lot because he, he, he's like a fast talker. He does it so well, right? Like Taylor Gray, the actor who plays Ezra Bridger, does a really good job, and he plays it very well. Where it's like he's kind of talking quick and. Being like, yeah, you don't need to thank me, you know, like, I'm going to help you out here and there. He's like, oh, you got your sleeve caught on this. And he, like, steals something from the ship panel and then, like, <laughs> turns him around. And meanwhile, this guy who's, like, kind of shook up from crashing on the planet is like, wait, huh, whoa, like, what, uh, what? What is happening? Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> by the time he leaves, it's like, yeah, and you don't need to thank me for helping because I didn't come to help. And then he, like, he hops out. Away, and he, stuff. Yeah, he runs away, steals his helmet. And then, uh, yeah, and then we get a shot of his um, his electro wrist thing. That's right. And he's he, got a, like a slingshot on his wrist. He's got a sli- yeah, electro slingshot on his wrist. And I was going to ask you about that before we kind of wrap things up. Is like, um, this was the first time ever, and I think so far the only time in Star Wars that we've had anything like this. Um, I think like, so. did you have any thoughts on? It's. I feel like it's the training weapon before you get the Mandalorian wrist laser right i remember seeing this for the first time thinking that is so stupid (laughs) like when the show first came out i was like what is that like are you kidding me like you know this kid like we've seen kids in star wars like at least in in clone wars and stuff Mm -hmm. pull up blasters and stuff like that like sure i mean like why has he got this thing i think he made it i think that uh ezra as we also see with his lightsaber is very crafty he's crafty and he has a lot of ingenuity like Similar to Anakin, but not to the same level. Right. Uh, and so I think he he built this himself as something that he could use to help defend himself against stormtroopers or whatever. Yeah. Which, it's not lethal. Uh, it just stuns them. Yeah, which makes sense. You know, he's a kid. He wouldn't intend to kill anybody. He's just he's just trying to survive, right? Um, and it's unclear really how old he is. I would kind of benchmark it at like 14. I would say, if anything, he's probably 14 years old. Okay. That's what I is would there, guess. Is there canon somewhere we could? I I actually so? I actually don't know. But if you were to take a guess, how how old do you think he is? I think that's accurate. I wouldn't say he's old enough, like sixteen, to drive or anything. That's too old. Twelve, I don't think he would be clever enough. Like you would be, at not as skilled. I think I think you're probably right around fourteen. Okay, I got a um, I got a little thing here. This is not the official Wikipedia. Okay, but it says. He's 17 and 19 by the end of Star Wars Rebels. I never would have guessed that. That's on that's on an unofficial Star Wars fandom page. So I don't know if there's a, a, a source or a book where maybe perhaps that's being pulled from. But um, that's what I'm finding here. Again, I wouldn't actually guess that he's 17. Yeah. I would probably guess more along the lines of 14. I think 14 here. And then when we see him later with the short hair, he's probably 16. I would say, yeah, or, or yeah, I think, and and each season I think is a year because like it's supposed to lead up, kind of very right. much before Rogue so One, so that's four years. So I think so fourteen at to the end. that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's what I thought, but um, who knows? Uh, yeah, so I think that that's pretty much it. I mean, going oh, in, I wanted, to, I thought it was worth mentioning here just because I thought it was cool. Uh, in this short, is actually the first time we see Lothal. It is, yeah. It is, um, and Lothal is kind of an interesting planet because uh, it is a bit of a dust ball. <laughs> but it, well, it's it, got some it interesting stuff. It looks like there. a dust ball, but it, it's because you know Star Wars biodomes. Each planet is like one thing. Yeah, 
And, you know, to Mandalorian, they changed a little bit. But this planet, it's just originally was all farming. So it's right. like the whole planet is like wheat fields, which yeah. I actually thought was really cool. There's been planets like Halo and stuff similar to that. It's a planet called Harvest. Right. Um, and I think there's there's another planet in Star Wars that's also like Rada. A wheat. Is that, is that From the, a, the Ahsoka novel. Yeah, yeah. that's the one I was thinking that was the yeah. Ahsoka novel planet. Yeah. I thought that was really cool because you think there's all these galaxies that got to do food, right? We exactly. never see any of that. Exactly. It's a great point. Yeah, exactly. It's a great point. I like the. It was new. It was new that we got a farming planet. It's not really just a dust ball. It's like it's yeah. It's a lot of wheat and grain and resources, right? And we can get into it more as this series goes on. But as you see throughout the seasons, it starts off very uh, like uh, as it was originally intended. All the locals saw farming. It's very simplistic. And it slowly is taken by the Empire and forced yeah. to be a, a ship manufacturing planet. Yeah. And then all the pollutants and everything that ruin the, the planet over time. Yeah. So we'll see the uh, degre- degradation. Degradation? Of de- yeah. <laughs> of Lothal. And and that, that, I think, is a big plot line of, of the whole show, actually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. But even the subtlety of just seeing the transition, which... I I completely missed the first time I watched it. Yeah, definitely. Keep, we'll keep that in mind as we kind of go forward, yeah. for sure. Um, well, there we go. That's our preliminary Star Wars Rebels. Uh, this has been Rebels Talk Part 1. And uh, thank you, Blake, for co-hosting on Star Wars Escape Pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good time. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right, a big thank you to all of you guys tuning in at home. You know, we really, uh, really appreciate those five stars and uh, those reviews. Make sure you stick with us for the upcoming episodes of Rebels Talk. It's going to become more and more relevant as time goes by to have seen this show. So we're super stoked to be able to find the time to kind of finally go back and, and, and watch all this stuff. Uh, make sure you check out the description before you watch any of these just to see what episodes are next, which ones we're talking about. Uh, and we'll remind you every time when we kick off the episode. Hit that link in the description. Join the Discord. Find us on Twitter and Instagram with at Podcast, And follow us on YouTube. May the Force be with you guys. And we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod and Rebels Talk. <laughs>